prayer that you know our God is the lion, the lion of Judah, and the lion is he's roaring in power and fighting our battles. And I've just been thinking loads about that recently because it often feels like we're in a battle, doesn't it? You know, there's different things going on in our maybe in our own lives and the lives of people that we love. And when we look at the news, the world feels like it's in a bit of a battle right now. You know, there's acts of terrorism creating a lot of fear um, in our world, in our own country. And we know from Ephesians 6 that we're called to put on the armor of God. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And verse 12 says it's against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So obviously we need to put on armor because we're in a battle. In Ephesians 6, 18, it says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And if we're in a battle, prayer is central to that, to the battle that we're in. Prayer is central to the Christian life. And this term, I've been doing the prayer course again, which I really love. So I've been thinking about prayer and this morning I wanted to share a bit about prayer, the battles we face. And to do that, I want to look at the Battle of Jericho in Joshua chapter 6. And it was really funny when we were praying before because I told Mel and Matt that we were going to be doing the Battle of Jericho in Joshua chapter 6 for them um, for worship. But I hadn't really told anyone else. And then everyone started saying, I just keep thinking about the Battle of Jericho and Joshua and we all started laughing. So I think God wants to say something this morning. So I'm just going to ask Elaine to come up now and read 1 to 20 if you want to carry on, Joshua. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. March round the city once and all the armed men. Do this for six days. Make seven priests carry trumpets of rams, horns, and censers of oil. On the seventh day, march round the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, Make the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will blow up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and make seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance, march round the city with an armed guard going ahead of the, going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken, the people... The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the Ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, Do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried round the city, circling at once. Then the army returned to the camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. 
The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched round the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched round the city seven times in the same manner, except that on the day that on that day they circled the city seven times. The seventh time round, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, "Shout for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab." Sorry, only Rahab the prostitute and all who were with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies they sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction but by taking any of theirs. Otherwise you will make the camp of the Israelites liable for destru- destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. Just a wee bit of background quickly. Joshua had led the people of Israel under Moses and following Moses' step, he was commissioned by God to take possession of the promised land. And earlier in the book of Joshua, we've seen the Israelites cross the Jordan River through the miraculous intervention of God. So this conquest to take the promised land is beginning of this battle for Jericho. But um, this battle doesn't really look good right from the very start. The first glimpse of the city of Jericho would have been awe-inspiring and frightening. The Israelites imagine that they've been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, and they wouldn't have seen anything like the skyline of the city of Jericho. The closer they got to this massive city, the smaller they must have felt. And they probably understood why the generation before them had felt like grasshoppers and had failed to enter the promised land because they were so afraid. There was a six-foot-wide lower wall and a 50-foot-high upper wall encircling the ancient city. There was thick mud-brick walls, so thick that it just would have seemed like a fortress that was impenetrable. You you couldn't have got into it. And in verse 1 there it said, The gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. So the city of Jericho was on full alert. So from a human perspective, this battle is not only hard, it seems impossible. The message version says, Jericho was shut up tight as a drum. No one was coming in, no one was coming out. So how would Joshua and the people of Israel ever conquer this city? And I was thinking, you know, maybe some of us feel like that about our battles today. Maybe it just feels impossible. How could there ever be a breakthrough? But in verse 2, God already speaks into this. From his perspective, the battle's already over because he can say to Joshua, I have, that's in the past tense, given Jericho into your hands. The message says, look sharp now, I've already given Jericho to you, along with its town and the cracked gates. So that just seems like God is promising something impossible. The battle plan seems nonsensical, nonsensical. 
You know, your army is to march around the city once a day for six days. On the seventh day, march around it seven times. Me, I'm not a military strategist. I don't really know about these things. I know some people in our church love all that. But surely all the soldiers were thinking, what? Why aren't we using a battering ram? Why aren't we scaling the walls? Why aren't we cutting off the water supply or shooting some flaming arrows over the walls? You know, sometimes we have all these ideas and we want to do it our way or the way it seems logical to us. But instead, God told the army to silently circle the city. And he promised after they circled 13 times over seven days, that wall would fall. That method of warfare made no sense. It required total dependence on God. Joshua had to have such great faith because God told him this. And he had to go then and explain it to the people and lead the nation. So he had to have great faith. The great the elders and the people had to have great faith because they had to follow the plan that Joshua had, had said to them. And I was thinking about this when I was reading it, and I thought, how could Joshua be so sure? How could he go right okay, God, I trust you. I'm gonna say this plan, even though it seems crazy. But I believe we can understand why when we look back at Joshua's history, because God had spoken to him before. In Joshua 1, 6, it says, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. In Joshua 2, verse 5, he tells the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And in chapter 3, we see that amazing scene where God, the the River Jordan is in flood. How are they ever going to cross it? And it's when it, it's it's flowing downstream, it's in flood. But the pri- as soon as the priests reach the Jordan, as soon as their feet feet touch the water's edge, the water from upstream stops flowing. It piles up in a big heap. Can you imagine a massive river and this great heap of water piles up and they're able to cross over? They stood on dry ground while all the people crossed over. So Joshua had seen God do these amazing things before. He heard God speak. He'd obeyed. Even when that seems crazy, how did the river stop flowing? And he'd seen God move. God did what he said he was going to do. So Joshua had confidence in the Lord, even when it defied logic. So God had spoken to him before. I think some of us have heard God speak to us before. But we've forgotten what the Lord has done in the past. Maybe some of us are in a battle today and the walls seem insurmountable. But God has come through for you in the past and he's going to do it again. And I just want us to take a moment now in our own selves to sit and remember times when God has come through for you. Maybe he's helped you in a difficult relationship with a parent, a spouse, a friend, a child. Maybe he's saved something that was precious to you. Maybe he's given you courage to fulfill a dream that you've had. Maybe he's given you comfort in a time of trial or a time of mourning. Maybe he's provided when you were in need. Maybe he's drawn close to you in a time of waiting. Maybe he's drawn, brought joy to your life when you saw that dream come to pass. 
We have a faithful God and are called to remember the good things he has done. Revelation 2, 4 and 5 says, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. We're called to consider. We're called to remember. Maybe even repent of some things. Maybe repent of forgetting the goodness of God and do what we did when we first loved Jesus. Going back to verse 6 and 7, it says, Joshua Joshua called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and make seven priests carry trumpets in front of him. And he ordered the army, Advance, march around the city with an armed guard being ahead of the Ark of the Lord. We've all spoken about this before in church, what the Ark represents. The Ark represents um, the presence and the blessing of God. And we see from this, the Ark is going to be prominent in this 62, even as it was in the crossing of the Jordan River. Israel had to take their hearts and minds on the Lord who was present with them instead of putting their hearts and minds on the difficulties that God confronted them. So Joshua followed the Lord's instructions. He ordered the army to advance, to march around the city with the armed guard. But the pres- with the ark of the Lord, the presence of the Lord was something that needed to be protected. And this whole strategy and this whole battle plan, they had to protect the presence of the Lord. And do you know, we need to protect that in our lives too. Are we focusing on God or are we focusing on the battle that we face? Are we intentionally positioning ourselves in a place where we can remember the faithfulness of our God, where we can experience his presence and blessing? We can do that together as we sing these songs, or we can do it in life groups or with our friends or in our own times with Jesus. Are we protecting the presence of the Lord in our lives? God told Joshua what would happen. Make the whole army give a large large shout, then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. You know, it was a plan that could only be God. God involved them though. He he made them march, he made them shout. He gave them something to do so that they could work in partnership with him. You know, God could have done it without them. I'm sure God could have collapsed these walls himself, but he wanted them to be part of the work. And he wants us to be part of his work today. And when God speaks, like he spoke to Joshua, and he wants us to be part of something, how do we respond? You know, Joshua doesn't hesitate to do what the Lord has called him to. And the people trust God and trust in Joshua's leadership. Verse 8 in the message says, And it happened. Joshua spoke. The people moved. Seven priests with their rams, horn trumpets set out before God. And I feel like I'm really challenging you guys today. You know, are we open to hear? Are we obedient? Do we remember God's faithfulness in the past? It took a lot of courage for Israel to do this. They would have been wide open to attack. You know, it would have been easy for the people of Jericho to attack them from their height position, from the wall. But remember God had said before, be strong and courageous. You know, Israel was a bit helpless here. Six days of silent marching. They were probably marching around looking at those walls, those impenetrable walls. And they knew this battle was bigger than them. They needed God to come through. It took endurance for Israel to do it. You know, the march was for six days. They're probably marching around thinking, what is this about? Nothing's happening. 
they had to push us through something that didn't make sense. So they had faith. They believed the battle plan. They had obedience. They followed the battle plan exactly. They had courage. They followed the battle plan despite danger. And they had endurance. They followed it over time, even when it seemed nothing was happening. And maybe that feels like some of us today. Maybe we're just going around and it feels like nothing is happening. But when the Israelites obeyed God and circled the city of Jericho for seven days, when those walls fell, God was delivering on a 400-year-old promise. He proves to them, as he shows us today, his promises don't have a trial date. You know, this battle challenges us to think about the promises that God has given to each one of us individually. So this morning, I want to ask you a vital question. What is your Jericho? For the Israelites, Jericho symbolized the fulfillment of a dream that had originated with Abraham. It was the first step in claiming the promised land. It was the miracle they had been hoping and waiting for their entire life. So what is your Jericho? What promise are you praying around? What miracle are you marching around? What dream does your life revolve around? I believe we're not going to see battles won and wars go down unless we know what our Jericho is, unless we identify our own Jericho. We need to define the promises God wants us to speak claim to, the miracles God wants us to believe for, the dreams he wants us to pursue. And then we need to keep circling until God gives us what he wants as we listen and obey him. So that's the goal. But what's the problem? Most of us don't get to see this happen because we don't know what our Jericho is. Maybe we've never circled God's promises. Maybe we haven't thought about life goals. And do you know that more than a thousand years after the Jericho miracle, another miracle happened in the exact same place? We've told this story in church before. Jesus is on his way out of Jericho when two blind men hear he is passing and they cry, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Paul's spoken about this before. Like, surely that was an obvious question. The guys are blind. Surely they just want Jesus to heal them, give them sight. Surely that's obvious. But Jesus forced them to define what they wanted from him. Jesus made them say it. He made them spell it out, not because he didn't know what they wanted, but he wanted to make sure that they knew what they wanted. So I'm going to ask you that question. If Jesus were to ask you that, what do you want me to do for you? Would you be able to spell out the promises, dreams, and miracles God put in your heart? I'm not sure all of us would be able to do that. So some of us, like those two blind men, need an encounter with the Son of God. We need to answer that question, what do you want me to do for you? And obviously that question, the answer changes over time. In different parts of our lives, we need different miracles. We pursue different dreams in different seasons. We speak to him to different promises in different situations. So that might feel like a moving target to you today. What do you want me to do for you? But we have to start somewhere. Why not start today? Don't just read the Bible. Start circling the promises. Don't just make a wish. Write down God honoring life goals. Don't just pray vague prayers. Define your prayer. Define your dream and claim your promise. Spell it out. Jericho is spelled many different ways. If you have cancer, it's spelled healing. If your marriage is falling apart, it's spelled reconciliation. If you have a vision beyond your resources, it's spelled provision. 
If your heart breaks and you say things you don't like in your parents, it's about humility. If you can't bear to say that he goes drowning in front of them, it's about justice. Right now, I'm being honest with you, I've got a huge learning period. My boys are becoming teenagers, and Derek is in his best years. Some of us it was our husbands, some of us it was our parents, some of us it was our sisters, our cousins. But Derek and I spoke about the issues and we spoke brave. Because we want these people we love to understand the beautiful gift that Jesus has to give them in Jesus. In church at the minute, we're walking with people who are having severe difficulties and we need support. It's not the last time. So Derek and I just felt like I'd better leave you. Our beautiful friend has cancer. And God doesn't forget to bless her. I love her and the family. I can't imagine without her. But Derek is because of what's happened. I'm not going to do that. But Joshua, I remember telling some of my friends how God is fulfilling his promises. But I miss her. Every bride, I need to look so hard. I need to like walk through wilderness times. I I want God to be an amazing presence. But I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep walking. And I'm going to keep pursuing his presence. And I'm going to keep searching Jericho until we fall humble. And God says to give us, he promises her back. I've been using this amazing book, Untold the Sufferings, the Righteous Inspired Loads of This. I've loved it so much, I've already bought three copies for other people, including Stacey Regard, who doesn't like reading. So I am going to empower you all to torture and miss me over this summer. How's it going with that book, Stacey? Enjoying it? I've told them yesterday a bit this new Finnish September newsletter, but it's a great book. So here's just a little bit. You need to circle the goals God wants you to go after, the promises God wants you to claim, and the dreams God wants you to pursue. And once you spell Jericho, you need to circle it in prayer. Then you need to keep circling until the walls come tumbling down. Get outside the walls. Circling Jericho gave the Israelites a 360-degree perspective of the wall tower. It helped them wrap their spirits around the mud brick mountain. It gave definition to the 50-foot-high dreams. That is precisely what prayer does. It helps you get outside the problems. It helps you circle the mountains. It helps you see all around you the solutions. I feel like I'm going to be up front today. You know, we have chats with lots of you at different times, and our heart is to say, all of us, this community of Pat's Holy Spring, Lord, grew as mature disciples of Jesus. And we give that away over and over to see other people know that love, to bring hope to a broken world. But sometimes, to be honest, it feels like we're on a bit of a roller coaster. 
sometimes we are there, we're like, yes, I'm in. Whatever it takes, I will do it. Whatever God wants, I'll pray, I'll give, I'll share, I'll go. And then other times it feels like we're a bit dull. You know, I can't help. I can't be bothered. I'm too busy. I can't afford it. And do you know what happens if we stay on a roller coaster for too long? We feel sick. I kind of want to get off a roller coaster. And I think part of the reason we're on the roller coaster is that we're not going after all that God has for us. Instead of claiming his promises and pursuing his dreams, we get too wrapped up in circumstances and ourselves. It's like we're inside Jericho instead of circling it and spying it out. You know, I don't mean this to come across heavy, but it's because I love all of you. Whether you've been in this church for five minutes or five years, I want to see you flourish. And time is short. I don't want to be having the same conversations or going up and down on a roller coaster this time next year. I'm hungry for more for all of us. I love it when I talk to people who are listening to God, they're obeying him, they're pursuing the dreams that he has for them. It's just like a breath of fresh air. And I'm not saying that those people have the most happy, carefree life that frees them up to do all these things. Some of those people are experiencing incredible difficulties. But like Joshua and the people of Israel, they're moving forward into the promised land. They're having faith to believe the battle plan. They're obeying what God says and they're following the plan. They're doing it with courage, despite danger, trusting in the God who's come through for them in the past. And you're enduring, you're marching around over and over and over, even if it feels like things are hurting too a lot. So I want to leave you with this this morning. What is your God to? And as you pursue that, you pursue it with the Lord as he says he got you. Be strong and courageous. We're just going to worship again for a moment. And if the band want to come up and then we'll have time to respond at the end. But I just want to encourage you as we're singing these songs, just be crying out to God. And maybe some of you know what your Jericho is. Cry out to him. And if you don't, cry out to him for what it is.